Brands on Brands. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, and today we are talking to Brandon Leibowitz. He has been working in the digital marketing field, specializing in search engine optimization, search engine marketing, email marketing, affiliate marketing, social media marketing. He's been doing all that, but really the focus is all about SEO. In fact, he founded a company called SEO Optimizers, which is a search engine optimization marketing agency that works with a variety of clients, such as sleeping agents, company, castle catering, ortho mattress, and more, a lot of local businesses. He's out in California. If you guys are out there in the Los Angeles area and you're looking for someone local that does SEO, definitely check out today's episode. His website is seooptimizers.com. And uh, he's been featured as a digital marketing authority, including places like Social Media Today, Live Chat Blog, Simply Measured, Business to Community, and other popular sites. And uh, check out the conversation today. We dive into things like what you should be on the lookout for in terms of your own search engine optimization. We talk a ton about backlinks. You'll hear that word a lot, uh, how to create them, how to find them, how to think about them in terms of your competition so you can rank higher. Uh, we also talk about conversion rate optimization. We talk about your homepage. We start with that conversation about what you should be doing to make sure your homepage is really hitting and is, an effect, is effective at driving clients to you. All that and more on today's show. Hope you guys enjoy it. And without further ado, check it out. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. Today, we have a guest for you. His name is Brandon Leibowitz. First off, Brandon, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. Well, the reason I'm excited is, you know, other than, obviously, you have a great name, Brandon and Brandon today on the Brands on Brands show, talking about branding and your website, that's a lot of brands and branded, but you're not going to forget us. You're going to remember all the names because we've said it 13 times. And by the end of this, it'll be even more. So that's the first thing I'm excited about. The second is that we are diving into a very important topic for any business owner out there, let alone personal brand or anyone trying to build a business, which is the idea of, you know, you having a place, a hub, a place like a website for people to find you and how to make that perform better for you. It seems like more people than ever are getting comfortable doing this on their own, but I know we need experts like you to help them untangle some of the mess that we create when we do things on our own. But I love to set the stage there a little bit. What to you is the value of a website that really performs well? Well, if a website is performing well, then you're going to be getting conversions, whatever that conversion goal is, whether it's leads, email addresses, phone calls, if you're selling products, getting direct sales right there. But Ultimately, you want a website that converts, but that's where a lot of people kind of fall short is when they build a website, they just think about, I got to make it load quick. I got to make it look good on mobile. Got to make it look nice and pretty, but people don't really think about user experience and conversion rate optimization, which I feel like is the number one thing you should be doing if you're building a website is optimize it for people. That way it starts capturing their information, leads, phone calls, sales, but 
a lot of people kind of overlook that. And then later on, once they start getting traffic to the website, they're like, oh, why is this traffic not converting? I'm spending all this money on paid ads or you know, all this traffic from SEO or social media or emails, but no one's converting. It's because the website's not optimized to get them converting or you don't have a funnel properly set up in place. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think well, that'd be a good place to start, I think, because I know a lot of people want to know, like, well, how do I get more traffic? But let's put that off on the shelf for a little bit later. Let's start with the p- traffic that you might already have. What are some things that people aren't thinking about enough? Or what are some of the mistakes you see that are regarding conversion rate optimization? Well, the biggest is having stuff below the fold. So whatever you see on the screen, that's called above the fold. Once you start scrolling down, that's below the fold. And 70% of people never scroll down on the website. So if you have like the call to action, add to cart, shop now, or form that's below the fold, over half that traffic is not going to see it. So you got to have all the really important information at the top above the fold on your website, having like the call to action, having a value propositioning, letting people know what's in it for me by using your product or service. Like what are the benefits that you're offering? That's also really important. It's not just listing out all the different things that like how long you've been in business. People don't really care about that. People are ultimately selfish and want to know what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of using your product or service? So you got to have the benefits listed up there. If you have like bullet points maybe or a video or something where it's easy to to digest because attention spans are so short nowadays. If you have a bunch of text, no one's going to read that. So just making it clear, concise, kind of removing all that extra stuff, especially on mobile. When you're on mobile devices, there's not much room to have all this stuff there. So sometimes you might want to have a kind of slimmed down version of your website on mobile where it just has the things that need to be there. It doesn't have all these extra things that look good on desktop, but don't always translate to mobile, like pop-ups and things like that. Yeah. Well, I imagine there's a lot of choices, right? You can. There's a lot of things you could put above the fold, especially regarding the content. But if I was thinking about the button itself, and obviously everyone's got a different goal, but how should they be thinking about what that button should do uh, for them specifically? Like whether it's carts or connected, collecting contact information, what are some of the best practices for what that button should be on that first page? Uh, the best practice is test and test and test because there is no best practice. It's really whatever works best for your website because every audience is going to behave differently. So always do A-B testing where you might have the button, let's say your e-commerce website, you could have a add to cart or you could have a buy now button and you could test them out to see which one gets more conversions because each one is going to get slightly different conversion rates or like Amazon. Like if we both go to Amazon, Amazon is going to be slightly different for both of us. We're probably not going to see it because it's such a tiny change, but they're testing to see what's going to get the most conversions. They might move the add to cart button up a pixel. We're not going to notice that. They might change the font by a little bit, but it's all about really just testing. And I would look at big corporate websites if you want to look at what they're doing. I want like a lot of people come to me and say, all right, I'm going to look at all my competitors see what they're doing, but I'm like, these competitors are really tiny. Let's look at these big corporations because they're putting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars into these websites. Whereas your competitors might be only spending a few thousand. But if you go after these big competitors and look at like the big corporate sites and see what they're doing, like look at like, if you're e-commerce, look at like Target, Walmart, Amazon, like these big, big corporations and see what they're doing because they're A-B testing it and they have teams of people that are doing this that you could just kind of, 
get ideas from them and see what works best and then test it. Don't just copy what they're doing, but test it and see if it works. Great. If not, do a new test and constantly be testing. Well, now regarding the content that's sitting there above the fold, I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen sliders. I've seen mm-hmm. still images. I've seen video that's, you know, like just on loop in the background. What are some ideas there? What What do you think is, is a best practice? What are things to avoid there? Uh, I think videos are pretty good nowadays because people want, don't want to read. Like if you could have someone talking, explaining it for you right there, that's always going to be the best. I think it like puts a face behind the company too. Like if you're just going to my website, it's like, all right, who is this? What are they offering? Who are they like? But then once you see me talking, you're like, okay, it's Brandon. He's the face behind this company. So it like builds that trust up instead of just being some website where you're like, I have no connection with them. It really helps personalize it. So videos work really well if you get behind the camera. If it's just like a normal, like if it's not a video for more commercial, then it might not work as well. But taking your cell phone and just recording yourself nowadays is really sufficient. I mean, most cell phones have really high def cameras and videos that will look really great. But it's and just kind of testing it out, trying like bullet points. And I want to have a big block of text above the fold. I'd probably put that down lower because if someone wants to learn more, so you're definitely going to scroll down and they're going to see all that content down there. So it's kind of getting that balance of having kind of like a optimized website for people at the top. And then below that, all this content and all the things that we want to do for SEO to make sure that we're optimizing the website for Google and for people. You know, it's hard for me to keep up with sometimes because, you know, like a lot of us out there, I started doing this on my own. And I try to find, you know, the best resources and advice. And there's a million different things that people say. Uh, and at some point I was like, oh, I found this little tool that'll let me do one of those sliders easily, like added it, made my website look a lot better. And then, you know, like two weeks later, I read something that says, oh, those are conversion killers. Don't have sliders on your website. Just it's for whatever reason, they don't work as well as just, you know, leaving it static. It's hard to keep up with all of that. I think... For me, I'm trying to figure out what are some resources you look to to figure out, you know, what's working and what's not. Best is just read or test it out and like try things out. But reading on different blogs, forums, you can join like Facebook groups are pretty popular nowadays. Watching YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever you can to just get as much information as possible. Because the more you read, the more you learn. Do you have some favorites that you love to listen to? Like, where did the nerds go to figure out the SEO? (laughs) Uh, For SEO, there's searchenginejournal.com, searchenginewatch.com. And there's, I mean, those are kind of like some bigger ones, but I would join like Facebook groups are pretty good nowadays. Like forums used to be pretty popular when I first started doing digital marketing. But nowadays, like Facebook groups are great because you get updates in real time and like joining some different groups like SEO signals or there's a bunch of different, like if you just go into Facebook and type in SEO and search groups, you can find a ton of groups and just find ones that have a big following of maybe a couple thousand or more people in that group and see how active and engaging they are. As long as they're not just promoting themselves all day, but they're offering value, definitely check out those groups. And because then you can see comments and see how people tried this out and they implemented it because you don't want to just, take whatever you read as truth. You want to actually try it out and test it because what works today doesn't necessarily work tomorrow. So you got to try it out and implement it and take action. Don't just read and watch all those videos. Yeah, no, I I like that. And I I think 
testing is going to be something that obviously you're going to hear a lot today because I think you have to do the research for yourself. Your industry might be different than someone else's. And there's so many different types of businesses all using websites. So I understand where you're coming from with that. I would like to give some kind of general sense to the people, like if they want to understand how SEO works, what's important, what's not, what are some general things that they should be thinking about to understand what matters for you know, having a better performing website? Uh, there are so many things. Google has over 200 ranking factors that go into the algorithm. But I always tell people SEO is like a puzzle. A lot of pieces is a puzzle, but some are a lot bigger than others. Like content is one of the more important aspects, meaning text. Google can't really read images or videos yet. They're getting better at it, but they really rely heavily on text. The more text you have on each page, the easier it is for them to read, understand, and know what keywords you're targeting on that page. But unfortunately, they don't really care what you put on the website because they don't trust you. They don't trust anyone. So what they want you to do is build that trust up. And the way to build trust up is by getting what are called backlinks, getting other websites to talk about you. The more backlinks you have from relevant authoritative sites, the more trust Google is going to give to you. And then they look at those keywords on your website to figure out what to rank you for. But it doesn't work the other way around. Without backlinks, Google is not going to rank a website. So for example, like a backlink would be if you're reading an article on the New York Times and there it says Brandon Leibowitz and you click on it and it goes to my website, I'd be getting a backlink from the New York Times.com. So the more websites that list you, the more trust you're going to be able to get from Google. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for us, saying that is helpful, but I'd like to know what are some of the things that even maybe you do for yourself or you have some of your clients do to get those because saying, you know, go to New York Times and give us a link, that's easy. But like, what are what do they actually do? What are some good strategies to build up a better backlinking, you know, kind of influx? Yeah, the best way to up your backlink profile is do competitive analysis. Research your competitors, search on Google, use on that first page of Google for your keywords skip over the ads, but make note of all the ones that are in the organic listings and then throw them into different tools such as Ahrefs or Moz or SEMrush. Kind of just pick one of those tools. They're all going to do the same thing, which is looking at their backlinks. So they're all paid. You have to pay for them, but they help out so much because if your competitors are on that first page of Google, it's more than likely because of those backlinks. And if you could look at their backlinks and then try to figure out which ones are relevant, authoritative, and then reach out to those sites, that's going to get you to the level that your competitors are at. So I would try to figure out, like, if you see that they got an article on the New York Times, see who wrote that article, see what that article is about. Maybe it's like they got a quote from that person or they have a top 10 list of companies to look out for. And if your competitors are in there, there's a way you could potentially angle it and pitch it to that writer. Or maybe you saw that they sponsored an event or did a trade show or joined like the BBB or Chamber of Commerce or whatever needs to be done, but you could pretty much look at their strategies because there's an infinite way to build backlinks. But what matters is looking at your competitors and trying to figure out which ones they built that are relevant and authoritative. Got it. Yeah, I like that. So if I look up my website, brandsonbrands.com, in a tool like hrefs, which is ahrefs.com, I type in my thing, it'll there's a place to check my backlinks and it might say, okay, this random XYZ website referred to... Well, my content, if it's me, that's someone checking me as a competitor, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then it, my competitors could look at that and say, okay, well, Brandon was listed here. I want to also be listed here. 
and to your point, reach out to that person directly or try to, if it's a ranking, like I show up a lot because of like podcast rankings, it's, you know, 10 best branding podcasts or something like that. I show up in the list. So it's like, how do you show up in that list instead of me or higher than me or whatever, and also end up in that same place and get that same, same listing. Are there some listings that are better than others that have more power or strength than others? Well, yeah, some are better than others, but like you said, with the lists, like one way you can angle it is maybe those lists have websites that are no longer in business. And you'd be like, Hey, here's a top 10 list of branding podcasts, but this one's not long. This podcast is no longer active or if they've taken it down, can you add mine to that list? So there's always ways to try to angle it and figure it out how to get in there. But in terms of backlinks, the best type of backlinks are backlinks from sites that are related to you. So if you're just getting any random website to link to you, it's probably going to do more harm than good. So you need relevancy. Relevancy is the biggest aspect of Google's algorithm and with the backlink. So if you're a doctor and you're getting a backlink from a restaurant, that looks a little strange. But if you're a doctor and you're getting a backlink from a website related to health medicine, it doesn't have to be exactly what you're doing. As long as it's somewhat related to what you're doing, that's what matters. So the more related, the better. But as long as it's somewhat related, that's what Google's looking for. So that's where you got to figure out, all right, how can I get on other related sites? Maybe you write, you could blog for them. You could do podcasts. You could do content marketing. You could do videos for them. You could sponsor events. I mean, a lot of different ways. That's why looking at your competitors is going to really help you figure out what they've done is just spy on your competitors' backlinks. Now, what if, because what I imagine is I start, type, start typing in my competitors, their optimization also sucks. They aren't ranking either. So how do you figure out who to even be looking at the backlinks of? Well, no. So when I say competitors, I mean, who's ranking on that first page of Google? You might be a restaurant and there's 20 other restaurants in the city, but if none of them rank on Google, they're, they're competitors offline, but I'm talking about online competitors. And let's say you're a restaurant and you search for your keywords and Yelp ranks at the top, that is technically your competitor, even though it's not another restaurant. So whoever's on that first page of Google for your keywords, those are your competitors. If a Wikipedia appears or Amazon or stuff like that, and you're just like, this isn't really my competitor, but if Google is showing them for your keywords, those technically are your competitors online, but offline is going to be much different. Yeah. I think what that kind of calls out to me too, is that in a lot of industries, there are lists, there are listings or whatever it is. Yelp is like a list of obviously like local businesses. Those tend to pop up a lot in my space as a content creator. There's lists of, you know, top shows. And mm -hmm. I actively make sure that in those places that my profile is set up correctly, that my show description is, is set up correctly, that they're still using the right title and image for my show. So managing that, I imagine, is really important as well. Like finding where you're being listed and taking care of that. Yeah. Making sure the information is accurate, up to date, especially if you're a local business or you move around or you change phone numbers, stuff like that, where they might have inaccurate information on other pages or other websites. That's going to confuse Google and throw their algorithm off. So consistency is really important and making sure all information is accurate too, making sure your website works. It has all your important contact information and things like that. But yeah, I would definitely make sure that they're all filled out and have relevant and up-to-date information. So that's kind of the research end. So when we talk about the actual execution end of this, as you're taking on new clients, for example, where do you typically start? Or you're having a new conversation with someone, what can they expect to be, you know, part of that conversation in the beginning? 
I would do a website analysis. That's the first thing is always do a free website consultation and check out their website versus their competitors, really looking at their backlinks versus their competitors' backlinks and seeing what the disconnect is and how much time and effort it is going to be to get them up to that level. Like if they're a brand new website, they don't have any backlinks, but their competitors have a couple thousand backlinks. It's going to take a lot of time and kind of really figure out how to get them there. But if they already have been established and have a couple hundred backlinks and the competitors have a thousand backlinks, then the strategy is going to be a little bit different because you've already built some of that foundation and it's going to be a little bit quicker and easier to get those rankings. So we, we need the secrets here today. Like, we need to know what are the things that people aren't thinking about. Obviously, we've mentioned backlinks and a little bit of like the conversion rate stuff. But if it was you and you're like, Brandon, just between you and me, here is like something you need to be thinking about that's going to help you just move forward. You know, like what are the what's the dish? Give me the tea, as they would say, as the kids would say these days. You know, I mean, the main one really is those backlinks Dang it. <laughs> their algorithms started based off backlinks and it's still heavily based off backlinks but it's changed a lot how they look at those backlinks meaning nowadays it's not a numbers game like in the past if you had 100 and i had 200 backlinks i would rank higher because i have more backlinks than you but it's not necessarily the number of backlinks it's the number of quality backlinks and the quality ones to google is relevancy and authoritativeness like if you're getting a backlink from the new york times it's going to be a lot more valuable than me giving you a backlink. Even though my website is good, it's not the same caliber as the New York Times. So the bigger the website, the more authority it's going to pass on. And the more relevant it is, the more relevancy it's going to pass on. But those two are the most important aspects of SEO nowadays. So let me yeah. let me then let me go down that road with you a little bit. So you've given us one tactic for getting our backlinks stronger, which was to find other places and reach out. Uh, and kind of re try to replace or re repeat things that are that other people are doing. What is another way to get more backlinks starting to show up for your website? Uh, you could look at your competitors' backlinks and find or find broken links that used to be working, and try to reach out to those sites that they have broken links on. So you could look at your competitors and see all their backlinks, and then you could see which sites are linking to your competitors, but sometimes they might be linking to a broken page on your competitor's website. So you could tell that website, hey, you're linking to a broken page. I created some content that's the same or not the same, but like similar and think that this might be a better link since this one that you're linking out to is a broken link. You could buy expired domains or your competitor's website. So if you know your competitor is going out of business, buy that website, redirect it to your website and you'll probably get maybe a little bit less than half their SEO value. It used to work a lot better. Too many people kind of exploited that one. But that one is a great one where you just go on like GoDaddy, find expired domains, look at their backlink profile if it's relevant, and buy that domain, 301 redirect it, and you'll get a fraction of those backlinks that will now be counted towards your website. But definitely the competitor one. Like, you know, your competitors are going out of business, jump on that URL, buy it right away, and then that's going to pass on some of that value, the SEO value. Awesome. I appreciate that. Now, content, obviously, in my world, content is king. But I'd like to know what your perspective is on how content helps, hurts, or neither. What role does content play in search engine optimization? Content is king for SEO. Ever since I've been doing SEO back in 2007, 
that's why I always heard content is king and content is the most important thing. Well, content meaning text. Google struggles to read images, videos, audio. They're getting better at it, but they're not there yet. So they really rely heavily on text. And the thing with text is it has to be original. You can't just take text from one page to another or from Facebook to your website. It becomes duplicate content. So whoever publishes the content first, they get all the credit for it and they're going to get the rankings. Everyone else that repurposes it is probably going to get hit with the penalty. So you have to have original content. That's so very important. And there's tools like Copyscape. So if you're paying writers, you can make sure it's original content by using like Copyscape, which I think is like eight cents to check a website URL or check a couple hundred words of text to make sure it's original. And Copyscape is a free tool. So if you see anything that pop, I mean, for your eight cents, it's pretty cheap, but you see anything that pops up on there, you could definitely know that Google's going to be picking up on that because Google's much more advanced than Copyscape. And I mean, right now, Google's having a bunch of issues with like AI written content. So they're trying to figure out, differentiate between AI written content and human written content. And they don't want you to have AI written content, but kind of hard to differentiate the two because nowadays it looks so realistic and it's easy to read. Whereas back in 2007, there's these things called article spinners that would just like find synonyms and replace them with other words. And it made the content original, but you couldn't read it. It was just like a bunch of gibberish. It didn't flow. But nowadays, you can't even tell the difference. So that one's kind of interesting to see how Google's going to be able to figure that one out and pick it out. But definitely making sure it's original content and text that's going to be the most helpful, especially like for podcasting. If you're doing a podcast, if you could transcribe it, it might not be possible if it's a really long one. But if it's a really long one, you could timestamp it and have like a little summary above that. Just having some text there really helps out. Yeah. So if someone's out there creating content, creating a lot of content, whatever it is, I imagine there's some best practices for SEO in terms of how you're creating the content as opposed to just creating randomly all this kind of different stuff. There's got to be some best practices that because, you know, what I create with a plan versus what someone else creates random, hopefully Google doesn't look at those as the same value. No, no. So yeah, it's really about thinking about the user experience. So in the past, it would be like, let's write 400 words of content for every single page. But now it's, let's write enough content that's going to answer or solve the problem that someone's searching for. So someone's searching for like, what's two plus two? I don't need to write 400 words about that. You can probably get away with it in a couple sentences. But if someone's searching for like how to fix a flat tire on my car, probably could a couple thousand words about that. So it's all about just thinking about the user experience and offering the best experience for them and offering the user what needs to be there without adding all this extra fluff. And in the past it was, yeah, let's put keywords in here. 3% of the text should be keywords, but nowadays it's not putting keywords in the content, just write for people. That's really the best is write for people and your keywords should naturally emerge. And if they don't emerge in that text, then you're probably not writing the right content. So don't worry about putting those keywords multiple times or mixing it up. I mean, it's good to put synonyms and plurals and try to other variations of those keywords and, spread them throughout the content, but really focus on people nowadays. Don't focus on Google. Yeah, no, right. I'm thinking about what I see when I open my, my the in, insides of my website up. And one of the things when I, cause I have, I've connected the Google app that lets me see how it's performing and whatnot. And I have blog apps that, you know, like Yoast that help me write content within a certain structure that helps with optimization 
one of the things that pops up in the Google tool is page speed. What are your thoughts, approaches, best practices for making sure I'm taking into consideration page speed when I'm thinking about search? Uh, page speed is getting more and more important. There's tools like Google Page Speed Insights. It's a free tool from Google that will show you how fast your website loads, show you what issues there are and how to improve on it. There's also Pingdom is another really big website and GT Metrics are like the three big ones that are all going to show you different things that need to be fixed to speed up your website. And just understand that speed is just one variable in Google's algorithm. And I can almost guarantee every website is going to fail those speed tests or not every, but a majority of them will. Like even your competitors that might be on that first page of Google might fail them. So speed is not the most important aspect of Google's algorithm yet, but it is important for user experience because Google looks at the user experience and how people behave on your website. So someone searches on Google, goes to your website and hits that back button. That's a bad user experience. It shows Google that something went wrong. They didn't find what they were looking for or your website loaded slowly or there's a ton of different reasons why they'll hit that back button. But the more people that hit that back button, the more signals it tells to Google that you might not be the most relevant. Like you could be ranked number one for your keyword. And if everyone that goes to your website hits that back button, Google's going to be like, no, this is not what people are looking for. Something's wrong with it. So I would definitely try to figure out how to optimize your speed because especially with mobile, the faster it loads, the better. The biggest thing with speed though, I feel like is images slow down the website almost Every time I look at page speed insights or GT metrics or Pingdom, images are like the number one cause of slowing down the website. And if you have a website and you have old logos or have images that are like 5,000 by 5,000 pixels, but on your website, it's only 100 by 100 pixels, shrink them down or delete those old images that are logos or duplicate images because people don't realize all those images take up space and slow down your website. And there's a tool, like if you're using WordPress, there's plugins that can help reduce image size. And if you're on like Shopify or Squarespace or Wix, you might have to manually do it before you upload them to the website. That's why I love WordPress because it's customizable and anyone can make any changes. Whereas these other platforms kind of lock you in and don't give you that freedom and flexibility. They're getting a little bit better, but they're not the same caliber as WordPress with that freedom to really do whatever you want to customize that website. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and all, I think, useful to, to know what the tools are that are out there that, that can help people, for sure. I think what's also helpful is knowing who to turn to. I think a lot of the time we try to do these things on our, by ourselves, but there's value in you know leaning on people who do this every day, and this is their main job. So you have obviously do this for people. You help people with this at seooptimizers.com. What I'd like to know is, what do you see as the value of working with a company like yours? Well, I've learned over the years that being a solo entrepreneur at the beginning, that it's tough to do everything and you could try to do everything, but there's only so much time in the day. So sometimes you have to delegate and figure out, do I want to learn a new, a whole new field of industry or do I want to just pass this on to someone that's a subject matter expert and let them take care of it? So it really just comes down to their time. And if you're a solo entrepreneur, maybe you want to take do some of it. But I mean, a lot you could do a lot, like the content, adding keywords to your website, but it's the backlinks that you have to be very, very careful with. Like if you build the wrong type of backlinks, it's actually going to do more harm than good. So that's where you got to be really, really careful and walking that thin red line where you're doing what Google wants to see, but you're not doing anything 
that will potentially get you penalized and get you in trouble in the long run. Well, I appreciate that. I think what I'm hearing is, you know, you got, there's a strategy there, you know, and when you've implemented strategies over and over again, like they say, we don't know what we don't know. You've seen other people make mistakes. So you know what to look for. I imagine you have an approach for working with people that starts from, you know, step one and goes through step, you know, Z for these kinds of processes. So if anyone's interested in getting a little help, maybe you've triggered something in them that says, you know what, maybe this is something I should be looking at. What's a great way for them to uh, get a hold of you? Well, I actually created a gift for everyone. If they go to my website at seooptimizers.com, that's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. They can find that there along with my contact information and a bunch of classes I've done over the years. I've thrown up there for free. So if they want to see step-by-step how to do a lot of stuff that we talked about with SEO, I've even done ones about Google ads, social media, Google analytics, how to track everything. So they can watch those all for free. And also if they want to book some time on my calendar for a free website consultation, happy to look at their website from an SEO point of view and let them know what's working and what's not working and how to get them to that level that they want to be at. And they could book some time on my calendar for free there as well. I appreciate that. And I think what most people should like think about is if you guys want to at least get a sense of, is this something you need to work on or not? What's it hurt to get out there and reach out and get a second opinion, right? I know a lot of us are hesitant to try out new things because we're worried about what it's going to cost. But until you know what the problems are, like if your car is making a sound and you're driving down the street, until you actually get in there and get it checked out, you won't know. So like make an informed decision. Go take advantage of the free gift at seooptimizers.com forward slash gift and see if there's something there that's worth checking out because you never know what's going to bring you in the traffic that's going to lead to the next client that you wouldn't have had if there was some mistake happening on your website. I want to know for you, before we let you go today, what are you excited about right now going on in your world? I'm just trying to stay up to date with all the changes with SEO and digital. It's, there is no constant. It's always changing. And that's the one that keeps it interesting. But I mean, everything is really shifted towards well, mobile, definitely. And then video too, as well. Like if you look at social media, it's all kind of gone towards video. Like even Pinterest lets you put videos up nowadays. Like they all let you do videos because people's attention spans are really short. So God capture that information. I like that a lot. The videos really just help build a face behind the company and build that trust up. But yeah, I think those ones are really interesting. It's just getting people behind the camera more and like putting more personalization into it instead of just having a stale website where it's just like, all right, here's a website, but let's see who's really behind it. Let's meet the team and have some more personalization in there. Yeah. You preaching to the choir here. I know uh, for me, if I can get more people to create and think of themselves as the face of their company, I think they'd be better off. And, you know, a short video like this that we're doing today you know, not only can be something that sits on their website and on all the social channels and YouTube and podcasts and whatever else, but also turning that into the content that is the blog eventually that does contribute to the findability on the search engines, I think is is the gold of it. On top of, I get to talk to another Brandon and have a conversation and ideas that when I leave this call, I get to think about, you know, is there something here that I could use today? that is going to make my business better. All of this just from a simple conversation that I would have had, you know, at a conference if I ran into you, but now it's here and it also helps my business grow. 
So a lot to think about today. Any final words before we uh, let you go today? Uh, I would just say be patient with everything. It all takes time with digital marketing. It's unfortunately not immediate, especially with SEO. It does take time. So just be patient with it all. Give it some time and keep working it. As long as you're sending the right signals to Google, you'll start seeing your traffic slowly moving up, but just be patient with it all. Don't expect immediate results. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, man. And that's, again, Brandon Leibowitz from seooptimizers.com. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. Thank you, Brandon, for sharing your perspective with us. And as always, keep on tuning in each week. And we hope to hear you, see you, and have you listening next time. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to BrandsOnBrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit BrandsOnBrands.com.